day, wherever you may be around the world, and thank you for tuning in to Truth To You. That's truth at number two, letter U.org. John and Jason, and very special guest. How long has it been, Jason, since all three of us have recorded together? Oh, 1712, I think it was. It was probably about 1712. <laughs> Rabbi Tobias Singer, g'day, mate. Not long enough. Good day, good day, <laughs> Wonderful to have you back on the program. Yeah, this it's is, a big pleasure to have me. Of course it is, and it's uh, it's great because there's been a lot of people of late writing in saying, when are you, Jason and Tobia, going to get back together? And I thought, well, we're going to do it real soon. Um, yeah. First of all, first thing, before I forget, Tobia, you, myself, Ross, we're going on tour, the Tanakh Tour number four, this coming November. Uh, it's huge. There's a whole lot of people. We've actually filled it up, and now we're in the, uh, in the process of getting more accommodation, particularly in Jerusalem. So if people want to come on the tour, you're going to have to leave a deposit at truthtoyou.org, truthnumber2letteryou.org, so that you can be with us in the Holy Land this November. We are going to secure a little bit more accommodation so that we can have more people on the tour. So if you're excited. Really exciting to do this this again. And it's wonderful that we have a packed crowd. We do. We absolutely do. It's going to be great fun. Jason. Hmm. Touchdown Jesus. Have you heard of the Touchdown Jesus? I haven't. Yeah. What? You haven't heard of uh, uh, Toby? Have you heard of the Touchdown Jesus? No. No, are I you, haven't. Are you serious? Okay. So, I, well, because I haven't been to Shul in a while. No, that's so right. I, let me <laughs> let me bring you up to speed just quickly. All right. So, uh, the Touchdown Jesus was a, a a big statue located at the uh, Solid Rock Church on Interstate seventy five near Cincinnati. Uh, it was nicknamed the Touchdown Jesus. It was also nicknamed the Quicksand Jesus. What it is, is the upper torso of, of Jesus, massive, like huge, reaching up into the, into the sky uh, as if he's just scored, scored a touchdown. Or, or it's, because it's the upper torso and it's right next to a lake, uh, it also looks like he's sinking into the uh, quicksand. Uh, in any okay. case, in 2010, he was struck by lightning. I kid you not. Wow, and uh, and the thing went up in flames. So the uh, the congregants of the uh, Solid Rock Church thought this is no fun. We need a new um, a giant Jesus statue, and they uh, two years later they they came up with what was nicknamed the Hug Me Jesus. Um, you know, popular sort of stuff. Uh, hmm. Christianity is trying to get away from the morbid imagery of, of uh, you know, holes in arms and feet and blood and whips and thorns and all that sort of stuff and go with something a little bit more. Um... Now, Jason, have you heard of the Buddy Christ? I've seen the picture. It's one of those famous um, pictures that you get on the internet. I think it's the one with Jesus giving you the two plank thumbs up, right? That's and a little wink. A little yeah. bit of a wink. He's got the thumbs up. He's pointing. He's going, hey, Good one, like you, uh, Buddy Christ, featured in the the film Dogma. Do you remember the the? the I think that was oh, in I the do. early nineties. Yeah. Yes, that's an excellent movie. Yeah, cool movie, and uh, I think it had who did that have? Ben Affleck and uh, yeah, and, uh, Matt Damon and Matt Damon. That's right. Hmm. Uh, in any case, trying again to come up with a more friendly, you know, get with it, you know, happy sort of a Jesus. Oh. Um, and get away from that morbid imagery. Not so in Belfast at the moment. This is in the BBC News. Uh, Belfast City Council to consider homeless Jesus statue. Mm. This one, Tobia, is a... uh, uh, It just looks like a a man lying on a park bench covered in a blanket, all but his feet, that have two giant gaping wounds in them. Yeah, Jason, this is your neck of the woods. What's going Uh, on? I... I 
Now, I'll tell you a little story. Um, I was walking back from the city centre a couple of months ago, and I walked past um, one of the two cathedrals here. So we've got St. Patrick's and there's Christ Church Cathedral, and one was Catholic and one was Protestant, and they were built next to each other just to show who had the biggest genitals. <laughs> and I was walking past them, and often they use the inside of this place um, for filming. So if they're looking for like a medieval castle or something, they, they film at Christchurch. And there were all these filming crews and canteens outside and loads of guys standing around. And I walked past trying to spot, see if there's anyone famous. And there were three or four production people with clipboards and the yellow kind of high-vis things next to this bench. And on the bench was this homeless person um, laying there in a sleeping bag. And I thought to myself, well, you'd think that they'd have like moved him on or given him some food or done something, filming around him seems a bit dumb. And as I kept walking, I realized that it wasn't a homeless person in a sleeping bag. It was a sculpture. And it was confusing me right up until I saw, saw this story. So we have one of these right outside the public entrance to the cathedral. We've got a homeless Jesus, and I didn't know. Now, to be fair, the first instinct I had was, why isn't that homeless person being looked after? So it does work. I just don't know whether it needs to be a Jesus. I don't know why someone would feel more sorry for Jesus being homeless when, you know, he can kind of turn anything into bread and wine. Why would he be having issues with hungry? Um, why not just a regular homeless person? That seems to me to be a better answer. If you're going to do a sculpture anyway, why make it the son of God sculpture? Toby, the thing that came to my mind was the little kids that walk past it, that go, oh, look, there's a homeless person on the park. Oh, good heavens, look at his feet. Mummy, what's going on? <laughs> a little bit alarming. Well, you know, as it turns out, you know, uh, kidding aside, this is – this is the way Jesus is so variously portrayed in the Christian Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, take a look at the passion, take a look at the book of Mark, where introduced to Jesus as an adult at the baptism, where he becomes the Son of God. Uh, at the during the passion, uh, during the time of the crucifixion, Jesus is beside himself. He's silent to those who oppose him. Uh, he cannot understand why this is happening to him. He genuinely is portrayed in Mark, gets on his knees and asks, begs that this cup be taken of, taken away from him. That means that he doesn't ha- shouldn't have to go through, endure this, in, not just indignity, but this great suffering. And in fact, he's genuinely perplexed. And my reading of Mark, at the end of the book of Mark, is that Jesus is genuinely asking in his cry of dereliction, why is this happening to me? My God, my God, Mm. why has thou forsaken me? This is not just a play on words. This is very, very much a a genuine question. I think that when when folks uh, take that away, now you take that's one Jesus, and that can be very, very attractive. But then you have sort of the passionless Jesus in the book of Luke as an example, where Jesus is at the at that that last prayer session at the Garden of Gethsemane, well, Jesus is really all business like. It's the it's the disciples that are falling asleep. Jesus has to wake them up and go. How could you fall asleep at this time? In fact, so much so that later Christian scribes, because there was no passion and suffering exhibited by Jesus, the later scribes had to interpolate in. The words were the the phrase that Jesus was sweating 
of blood. Of blood, and right. That, yes, yeah. so that's a later interpolation. We don't have that in any of the early manuscripts because as scribes later on found this Im this moving imagery to be quite right. unmoving. So the, yeah, and so then, this is this is two different types of imagery that are often uh, it depends on the church and which which direction they want to go. Do they want to uh, conjure up emotion based on a suffering Jesus, or do they want to have the sort of the Anthony Robbins self help Jesus that's like, hey, you know, you can be, you know, everything Very that you want to be. So. Which Very one do you go so. through? Yeah. It, it, it seems like in certainly in evangelical uh, Christianity, the uh, the self help Jesus is more popular and and the one that seems to uh, pull in the bucks a bit more. I'll ask you a question because you're a musician, mm -hmm. but uh, the little I know about music, it seems that in in Christian music, there's basically two genres, one that's played in the major key and one that's played in the minor sure, key. Sure. And those those the music that's in the minor key is kind of that weeping, crying out to God, Jesus, so on. Sure. And those are the major key. The major keys convey a sense of victory. Yes, uh, triumphant uh, and happy. Triumphant yeah. victory. Yeah. So sure. it actually, all this bleeds through um, every aspect of Christianity. And you see it later on in Luke, just to show the consistency that Jesus is walking down to his crucifixion, the women are weeping for him, and he asks them, why are you weeping for me? On the cross, unlike Matthew and Mark, uh, one of the crucified um, uh, criminals recognizes that Jesus is a good person, and and he and Jesus and he asks Jesus, you know, take me, you know, take me with you. Essentially, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So mm. Jesus is spending the weekend in a spiritual Cancun, and uh, I mean, he's going to the, you know, to the to the. Uh, to the going diving for the weekend, right. and 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 he and Jesus is in total control at all times. So actually, what you see, the different porches of Jesus can be backed up, and Christianity feeds the need in different books. And if you want to attach yourself to John's Jesus, where Jesus is so victorious that you don't even have Simon of Cyrene carrying a cross for him, Jesus carrying oh. it. You know, by himself, you don't have a transfiguration in John because Jesus is way above Moses and Elijah. You don't have John baptizing Jesus in the book of John because the, the superior person uh, baptizes the inferior person. So you have such a, a whole panoply, anything you want, and it really does. It could provide the minor keys, the, the weeping, the laughing uh, that you find in some churching churches, the, whatever it is that you want, it will deliver. There's, there's a Jesus for every season. This takes me to, this is referred to as Morningside. Okay, Morningside is a uh, an estate, a, a, an estate of condos that is uh, owned by Jim Baker. Do you remember Jim Baker, Jason? Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. man. I cannot believe, I just cannot believe why this guy still is raking in the bucks, but he is. Uh, controversial. And this is in the in the Christian Post. Uh, in in Morningside, there's a massive um, church. Of course, he's got this uh, amphitheater, and he's got uh, a chapel. And inside this chapel is a 15 foot Jesus. Uh, it's not a suffering Jesus. It's not a crucified Jesus. It's a whole complete happy uh, major key Jesus, if you like, Tobia. 
Uh, it says, controversial uh, t- televangelist Jim Baker has claimed that the Missouri town which he, in which he is building a Christian community is equipped to survive the end of the world and is selling survival gear such as packs of bottles that cost $150. Baker said on his program, The Jim Baker Show, earlier this week that various prophets have predicted that uh, if there is a major if, if there is a major world disaster and humankind faces the end of the world, people in large cities are not going to be able to survive. That's why uh, for 15 years, Baker has been building this morning side community in Blue Eye, Missouri, which, uh, as I said, comes with an amphitheater and uh, a chapel that can be used for weddings because you need that at the end of the world. And uh, also, he is advertising survival gear, such as a six pack of, quote, extreme survival water bottles being sold for $150. His website claims that the bottles are, quote, designed using a combination of both advanced and radiological filters. People, now, Tobia, people... He should should be selling parachutes. He should be selling... (laughs) So when they rapture into the sky, they have a way of... So they don't... All right, continue. (laughs) All I'm going to say is... your parachutes in case when you're coming back, you don't hit the ground too hard. Okay. All I'm saying is that uh, a person is only... A product is only worth what people are willing to pay. If people want to throw money at Jim Baker, even after he has come out of uh, jail for, for fraud... Uh, even after he's been accused of rape and, and all of these horrible, terrible things, he was he was jailed for five years. He comes out, he wants to uh, sell people all this, this ridiculous stuff and people are forking out the money. Doesn't he deserve their money? You know, truth is, you were once a Christian. Yep. I, I, was, I was never so stupid. What, what's going <laughs> on? What, what, no, I'm kidding. What I don't. What is going on? That means why this could no rabbi can get away with this. I mean, I'm not saying it never was, but if someone did this in the Jewish world, mm-hmm. what's going on? Like, what's going on in this world? Jason, what's your thoughts? <laughs> I think that the only prophet he's interested in isn't Moses. It's the prophet in his bank account. It's crazy. Like, oh, right, so what? What strikes me is that I did a brief look online for a water bottle and i found water bottles exactly the same as the ones he's purchased for like 30 dollars so he's what he's done is he's sold this extra value to to a to a sham idea Hmm. and it's based on people's own fears and that's a lot a lot of great televangelists do they use um health or science or the government three things that most um religious bible belt americans uh, worry about the most and then he turns uh, those three points of worry into something he's on side with. Don't believe the government is uh, doing what's right by you. The church understands. So come and spend time with us. We'll look after you. Um, mm. Don't believe that the government's really interested in your health. They're lying to you. Well, that fluoride in the water is not good. And uh, then you come here and we'll give you special water out of special bottles that have filters in them. <laughs> the filters are called lids. They're magic. And when it goes, when the water goes into your mouth, it's, it's a magical experience. And um, the science thing, I mean, we were talking about Flat Earth recently. It's amazing how many Flat Earthers are actual government conspiracists. Mm-hmm. I haven't met any yet that don't believe that NASA is some put-up job. 
So I find it's a little bit incredulous. I, and if you are willing to spend $150 on a bottle of water that you can only drink once, in you know, theory, um, then you, you deserve it. Uh, I do think that, you know, if someone is such a great, as you say, Toby, I mean, he, he's a salesman. And if he really does, a charismatic individual, he really does make the sale, uh, he deserves the money. But I just cannot, for the life of me, understand why people fall for it. Yeah. yeah that's what, and the speaking in tongues. I mean, all that stuff. Oh, man. Speaking in tongues. I can't believe you brought that up. I, I saw that on the uh, on the internet again the other day. Someone was asking about speaking in tongues. Does it appear in the Tanakh? Is it something that God endorses? Is it something that we should be, you know, for people who have refined their faith to the Tanakh, can we still engage in speaking in tongues? And I thought about this and I thought, you know, it's about as useful uh, as as interpretive dance, incorporating interpretive dance into your private prayer life. I just, in fact, maybe interpretive dance may may have more meaning to it uh, mm. than speaking in tongues. But but you're absolutely right. People are uh, convinced into doing utterly ridiculous things. I saw a, uh, a meme the other day and it said, uh, you might not think that grammar is important, but don't be surprised when people draw conclusions. And I thought, you know, that could be applied to speaking in tongues. You know, you might think that, um, uh, you know, vocabulary, if you don't think it's important, don't be surprised when people think you're a babbling idiot. Uh, And sure enough, that's what speaking in tongues is. I'm reading the last part of the article. Billy Graham came to my prison when I was there. That should be all you need to know. (laughs) 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 At that point, you put the wallet back in your pocket and you go off to your local Army and Navy supply store and you buy your own. Um, radioactive filter for your water bottle. I'm sure it's a lot cheaper than $150. And um, thank yourself that you got out got out quickly. Mm, mm. Yeah, but he does say he does say that he says Billy Graham came to my prison when I was there. He wrapped his arms around me when I was mess. I was cleaning toilets. Says um, mm. says Jimmy cleaning toilets at that moment, and I was at a very low moment in my life. Uh, Billy Graham walked in, threw his arms around me and said, Jim, I love you. And that, that's uh, uh, Jim Baker's uh, attempt to regain some sort of credibility, I suppose, from, from Billy now that he's passed on. Mm. It's not as if Billy yeah. can go, no, I didn't do that. Well, you know, maybe he no. did. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he did. Mm. Uh, well, okay. Now, you mentioned Flat Earth. Come on. You opened mm. a can of worms on your Facebook page. Fill us in. I just I put up a, what I consider to be a lighthearted quip about Flat Earthers. Um, basically, because it was in, it's actually in kind of the secular news in, in the UK, because one of the morning chat shows had three flat earthers on and the hosts just couldn't wrap their head around how these people believe what they believed. And I thought it was kind of funny. So I put something on my page and one particular lady, Kimberly, I'm sure a very nice lady, she um, she took offence and um, opened up a whole can of worms. And then the thread ran on and on. Um, but it, it's uh, what I kind of is it. No, I, there's a definite parallel here between uh, certain certain Christians, and that's not even fair. Certain religious people, because it's not just Christianity, mm-hmm. and flat earthers, in that they see something they don't understand. Someone tells them, "Oh, it's exactly how it looks." Yeah, it's it's exactly how it looks. Don't listen to to science um, or anything else. Um, yeah, the earth is flat, and that, that, that's why, you know, when you look out, you can't see the world drop away. Um, and then they take that as truth, and then when other people come saying, I'm from NASA, or I'm just like a common sense person that's been, you know, I've, I've sent a camera up into space with a weather balloon, I've seen the results, they instantly think that this person is a paid stooge, and that they're in the know, they've got the special secret knowledge. 
um, and it's and they can't answer the question. So what was interesting is she put up a load of stuff she called in um, information and and uh, um, proof, but most of that proof was just some guy saying, "I believe this." And when people came back with science and said, "Well, how do you answer this, this, and this?" She just gets super frustrated and either changes the subject or moves off to something else. This isn't an attack on Kimberly. It's an attack on most flat earthers. Hmm. So I know we, we covered this a lot, and it's not that we want to make fun of them, but that is so easy to do. It's really just, oh, we just want to kind of do a science slap around the face and, <laughs> and have them step back for a minute and try and figure it out. I, we can, this, is when, this is when Tobia says, actually, I'm a flat earther, and we, we have to <laughs> Just um, clarify that for us, Toby, quickly, please. Oh, what? The, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a flatterer. Okay, right? good. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I will tell you, though, I, I think uh, according to this uh, article that Jason shared, shared with me earlier in the week in The Express, uh, you and I don't actually exist. You and I are actors. Uh, Indonesia doesn't exist. Australia is not real and never existed. A conspiracy theory linked to Flat Earth Society forums has emerged after scores of people claim uh, the continent of Australia is a myth created by the government. Have you heard that? No. Yeah, Tavia would say that. Though, he would he? say he's that because he's, he's, he's on the payroll. He's getting paid to say that he lives in Indonesia, which is a mythic, well, mythical set of islands just above Australia. Yeah, I, the, you know, I, yeah. I used to, as a child, I actually had a thought like that, although I never shared it with anyone because I wanted to be taken seriously in life. But as a kid, growing up in New York, I kind of felt like New York was the center of the earth. And all these other places that I saw in movies and TV, China, they're not really places like that. And maybe when you go on a on a plane, you actually it's a movie that's going on outside the plane, and they just change the scenery when they when they make believe the plane lands, and they just bring out different actors to be there. Oh. Uh, but then I had my fifth birthday, and and then I. <laughs> I overcame that. Does <laughs> <laughs> it really a chain? I think maybe. I think the. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on this. And you're going to let me drown here, but I think maybe when you're very young, you wondered: Is it really possible that all these different cultures and peoples really do exist? And they their worldview is so different than mine, and they look so different. They. Right, yeah, yeah, you know, like all these other countries, are, is it? Are they also like you know, Never Neverland or Narnia or Palestine? I mean, oh. are, are they you know non-existent? Have you ever landed in a country? I don't know how much you've traveled and went. Wow, so I guess this place is real. Like right. just for a moment, for a fleeting moment, you go. I I guess wow, this is like this is a real. There's a this really is a Vietnam. It's like wow, here we are in Hanoi, you know. Yeah, right. The first um, time that you land in a in a country you've never been to before. That's very exotic, right? Not like it's you know Canarsie, not like it's Cleveland, Ohio, not like <laughs> like you know it's not like it land. But you know, sometimes you land. It's Southeast Asia, I think, is really the most exotic place on earth I've ever been to. Exotic, meaning it's just really otherworldly. Mm. And you really do land in these far remote islands, and or you know I've been to you know Vietnam and so on. I've been to Papua New Guinea, and I've been on the back of a four by four with people with needles going through their noses, and they you know all that weird right. stuff, yeah. and lips pulled out by a disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm and I'm sitting there with them because that's the only way to get from the land border to 
to where there's any kind of life. And I go, well, so I guess the stuff we saw in National Geographic was Right, really and it true. comes out of the documentary and it becomes uh, a reality. And, and yeah. it is quite an experience. But, you know, Flat Earth uh, theory comes from, I do believe, and Jason, you've probably done more, more uh, research on this, but my understanding is that it comes from verses in the Bible that are translated into English and uh, given the insinuation that the that the earth is flat, is that is that how you understand it? Yes, most of it comes from that. I mean, but th there was a lot of science done in the late eighteen hundreds, and the experiments, which because a lot of experiments of flat Earth is ran, work both ways. It works for a flat plane and it works for a round plane. And the reason for that is you have to have quite an extensive round plane before it is round, because the Earth is so big compared to our stature. If we were all 50 feet taller, the world would seem like a smaller place, um, but we aren't. And so the, there was some science that was done, and the, 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 the science that worked, they kept the ones that didn't, didn't, and then it, it took more speed then. It wasn't just a religious um, viewpoint at that point. But I think most people that are flat earthers do have a religious Christian background. Hmm. And it's interesting, when their use of English is what supports their case. It's not generally the verse... Um, uh, like a lady yesterday, she was talking about how God can see, God looks down from His heavens on all mankind, and I'm, and I asked, do you think God lives in the heavens? And if so, do you mean clouds? Because if that's the case, then her God can only see in one direction, and that's why the world has to be flat, and mm. also lives in clouds. When I see heaven as a dimensional thing, mm. you know, when you die, you don't vanish and turn up on the other side of the rainstorm that's happening off the coast. Um, so in that in that instance, God comes out of the dimension that He is usually in and sees all mankind. I think He probably does that constantly, but that's, I think that's what the verse is trying to say. But it's trying to say it to a people whose understanding of science isn't maybe as advanced as ours was. It's speaking in the language and context of the people of the time. And um, uh, Toby is dying to jump in. No, um, there's a passage actually that addresses mm. this. Okay. Isaiah 40, verse 22, where it says, Hayoshiva Chugoritz, and he, referring to God, sits on the circle of the earth. And therefore, those who dwell in the Kachagovim, and those who dwell there are like grasshoppers. Hanaitik Kadok Shemayim, he who spreads out the entire skies like uh, like curtains, Vayetomchem Ka'ohel Lashavas. And he spreads them out like a tent of walnut. So Isaiah does describe the world as a circle. And Akash oh. Baruch sits above the circle. And in fact, everything below him, it, the, the text is, is conveying the grandeur of God very quickly. Oh. It's going to get into that. Nothing can change except the except the word of Hashem, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But it, there is a passage exactly like this. Beautiful. All right. One, one last thing, because we've got five minutes. And I just want to ask Tovia about this one. Prime Minister Netanyahu is a new deputy social media advisor, mm. uh, Hanania Naftali, popular uh, Israel advocate online. Really, really good. Now, a lot of people share his stuff, but they don't know. What they don't know is that he's a dedicated Christian uh, and uh, an evangelical uh, Christian at that. Is there a conflict of interest? Is there a problem here at all? I mean, this guy is very talented and no doubt can do the job. Thoughts? He's a very gifted fellow. I, I came close to meeting him a couple times. He wanted to get together with me when I visited Israel last time. It didn't work out. Um, 
It seems like he's a nice fellow. I don't mm. know his story exactly. It appears to me that he was raised Christian, but he's he claims so I don't have any reason to not believe him that he's of Jewish extraction. He's of Jewish ancestry. Um, the reason why he was first of all he'd been doing a lot of amazing work in um, in 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 portraying Israel very well in yep. the public media, and he's friends with Bibi Netanyahu's son. Um, what's the name? Uh, um, forget his name. Is that the one that recently oh. got in trouble for not picking up the dog's poop? Yeah, yeah the one who <laughs> made the stripper comment and yes, so on. Him. That son, you know, he's a bright young man, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't envy a kid who has to grow up in the limelight like that. Yeah, Anyways, they're, they're very, very close friends. And he got him an audience with Bibi Netanyahu. Bibi was, not only is Bibi, but I think that all the people who are doing, um, forget the word for it, that are doing, you know, public work on behalf of Israel yep. um, are, are very taken by them. And I, I've received over the last two years many, many messages from people who are very taken by his work, by his very creative work. And he, he has a very good presence on YouTube. It just kind of comes off very nicely. But have raised the point that he is an evangelical Christian and he did at times speak about the fact that when he was uh, serving in the army that he did witness and evangelize others. And it's deeply problematic. Um, but it, I think he's just done a lot of good and two is I think he had the good ties and good connections. There is an interview with him and Bibi. It must have been like the first time he ever did it because he was nervous, very, very nervous about it. But what can I say? I think it's unfortunate. But I would really like to meet him because I, I want to get... I want to wrap my brain around what makes him tick exactly. Sure. So now there's a, a, a phrase that we quote often on this program uh, from Maimonides, and that is accept truth from whatever source it comes. Would it be fair to apply that to Hanania Naftali in regards to his uh, pro-Israel advocacy? No, you, you can't have someone who's devoted to converting the Jews to Christianity to remove them. I mean, look, if this is not about the God of Israel, why are we in Israel? If it, I mean, why, why not just pick Hawaii, buy the islands, you know, just have something where we're just not going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. The children of Israel are there because it's part of a plan, part of God's promise. In fact, the tour we'll be doing, we'll be walking exactly where the prophets preached. It is all about God. So you, you can't have someone who is not just himself um, or a Christian, but who is will use the opportunities that he has, taking his cues from Paul, First um, Corinthians nine and so on mm. um, to use every opportunity to try to convert others, and that I think is a not a very good idea. Let's try, but let's try to help this kid. Let's try to help this young man. I think he's a he has some really he's very gifted, and I think if he could study a little Torah with him, maybe we could. Um, we can we can straighten him out. Well, we may run yeah. into him this this November. Uh, any thoughts, Jason? Only that um, I wonder if um, he hadn't been hired by Netanyahu, whether there'd be an issue with a Christian having a pro-Israel stance. I think that there's nothing wrong with him being pro-Israel. There's nothing wrong with being Christian. It's when he uses the platform um, of one piece of work. The pro is our piece of work, especially when it's being sponsored and endorsed by the government. If he starts using that platform for theological reasons, that's when it becomes an issue, I think. Mm. Um, but just because a Christian believes in Israel doesn't mean that his faith in Israel or his belief in Israel is a bad thing. 
obviously it's a good thing, especially if it's reaching people. I know in Ireland here, we've, um, Ireland's um, position at the moment is not favourable towards Israel, and I wish we had even more Christians um, that had a positive view of Israel. That would be awesome. Um, so it's, yes, if he starts using that platform to try to sway people towards um, Jesus and to bring them away from their Judaism and their background and their history, I think that's when that's when it will become an issue. Okay. Well, we'd be interested in uh, people's comments. Please leave them on the uh, website truthtoyou.org or in the uh, on on Facebook, um, and we may address those maybe next week or the week after. Thank you, mm. Rabbi Tobias Singer, for joining us. It's been good to have you back on the program. It's been a while. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you. Likewise. In November, my friend. It, yes. And, um, and Jason, uh, Jewish Dublin walking tours are still operating, yeah? Yep, we're running all through the summer right up until the end of October. There it is, and you can find that on uh, Facebook as well. Jewish Dublin walking tours. Go there, like the page, and if you can get to Ireland, make sure you get Jason to take you around and give you the tour. That's all we have time mm. for. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, 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 oh